Leafs fam, hockey world, what is up? This is the Leafs Convo. I am Norman James. It's so nice to be with you. TGIF, BT dubs. Thank God it's Friday. Tomorrow's Saturday when we have soccer in the morning and swimming in the afternoon. And then we go to Costco for shopping and have to deal with all those ridiculous crowds. Maybe Friday isn't all that it's cracked up to be. But you know what is? The Leafs Convo podcast. We're about to collab. Mike is standing by. He and I are going to talk about his latest article for HockeyBuzz.com. He's talking about how the Leafs need to reshape their blue line and how it may require some key pieces on that blue line right now to be shipped out in order to make room for new players to come in and help with that transition. We'll also get into Forgotten Leafs trivia. Mike is four for four dating back. He's ready to go. I'm ready to go. I know you're ready to go. Let's Leafs convo right now. And the show officially good to go with the arrival of the one and only Mike Ajello. How are you, sir? Good morning, Norman. I am fine getting ready for the NHL draft combine here in Buffalo and uh, the Marley's Calder Cup final against Texas tomorrow and Sunday. So is the draft combine in Buffalo the biggest event since the Bills went to a Super Bowl for Buffalonians? <laughs> No, no, but it's but actually it's because um, it's a really good um, event in terms of getting to know some of the players that are going to get drafted next month in Dallas. I've gone there the last three or four years and, um, you know, get a chance to talk to some of the young players and uh, and sort of just get to know more about them and their personalities. And uh, yeah, it's been pretty insightful. I mean, obviously, uh in Buffalo, they're focused on Rasmus Dahlin, who's going to be the number one pick overall. And people in Buffalo should be very aware of him because he played here for Sweden at the World Junior and everybody was focused on him. And I think he's going to be a number one defenseman in the NHL. And, you know, it's a good thing for the Sabres because they've sort of wallowed in crap over, I'd say, the last five or six mm-hmm. years. And they, they really need to turn around the franchise because the fan base here is getting a little, I'd say, pissed off. <laughs> As they should. Remember, they were supposed to be advanced beyond what the Maple Leafs are and were. And you know what? It, you just have to have competency put in place, right? That's what it comes down to. And if you don't have that and you don't have a little bit of luck, you're, uh, you're in big trouble. It's funny about the combine, though. These kids today are just so stacked and so prepared and so strong. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of them are, are, are mentally good to go beyond their years because they're already working with psychologists, physiotherapists, trainers, motivators. Go back 30 years, 35 years, a draft combine. I mean, what would that be like? You know, Wendell Clark, you're up. It's time to push some weight. He puts down his drink, butts out his cigarette, and starts, you know, ripping down, if, if you will. Now, it's just it's changed so much. It, it's, it's not only such a business atmosphere surrounding the game, but inside the game. I mean, these, these kids are developed like cyborgs at such a young age. Yeah, and last year, I believe the only two players that made the NHL and stayed with their teams the entire season were the first two picks in uh, Nico Hishier and, and Nolan Patrick. And I think that'll be different this year. Not to say that, you know, last year's draft wasn't good because, but there are some drafts where the players just need a year or two to develop. This year, I think, you know, obviously, I think Dalene's going to play with the Sabres and we've got a group of uh, uh, Svechnikov and Zadina and Brady Kachuk, who 
you know, I think maybe a couple of them could make the NHL. There, this is a, I, it, it could be a stronger draft, but um, it doesn't have centers, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of teams are going to be. Uh, I think a lot of teams, especially the ones at the top of the draft, you know, they, they, there's not a lot of defense and not a lot of centers. They're they're usually a little depressed, and there is defense, but there's not as many centers. So for teams like Montreal, Ottawa, Detroit, it's not good news for them. This is the Leafs Convo, Norman James in London, Ontario. My partner in crime podcast-wise, the one and only Mike Augello in Buffalo, New York, getting ready for the NHL Draft Combine to hit a beautiful Buffalo. I, I kid about Buffalo, but you guys are honorary Canadians. I, I, love, I love Buffalo, man. It's, it's an amazing place. And uh, again, I, I kid and I joke because I love the Leafs with the 25th pick at the upcoming uh, NHL Draft. Uh, we're going to talk about the Leafs picking 25th will they make Mm -hmm. the pick will they deal the pick as part of a package there's lots uh that we can get into on that front and in somewhat um related news your latest item on hockeybuzz.com right now um it's generating a a, a lot of interest a a lot of comments um it's uh it's always good stuff when when you uh, compile an item for hockeybuzz.com and uh this this item uh, is no different. It's titled, um, Will the Leafs Blue Line Upgrade Involves Subtraction and Addition? So in the first paragraph, I'm reading about the Leafs potentially kicking tires through a, a trade avenue on some of the uh, bigger-named young defensemen out there who might be able to help them. Um, mm-hmm. But that may require, if something like that were ever to be considered, there may have to be a piece or two on the Leafs Blue Line right now that would have to go out in order to make room for not only the player, but the finances that are attached to that player. Can you explain? Well, I mean, the uncertainty here is the philosophy of Kyle Dubas. But I mean, if you look at what the, what the Leafs, their areas of need are, it's clearly defense first. And then I would say depth third and fourth line center. They're strong on the wings. They're deep in goal uh, organizationally, and they may have to use their, depth at certain positions to be able to help the other areas. Um, and as I said in the article, I mean, there's a number of defensemen from Noah Hanif into Justin Falk to Oliver Ekman Larson, Ristolainen. and there's a, you know, a number of defensemen who might be on the move and probably some that we don't even know. And where the Leafs go in terms of adding defensemen, I don't think it's going to be free agency because John Carlson is the best free agent defenseman out there and the way he's playing in the playoffs, he's probably going to cost, you know, seven and a half to $8 million. Wow. A year. And yeah, it's going to, it's going to be, well, I mean, Shattenkirk took, I think almost seven on a four year deal. And we're talking about a, uh, a defenseman Carlson, I think is 26 or 27 years old. So he's younger than Shattenkirk. And, you know, maybe with the salary cap going up, Washington can resign him. But if not, he's going to, there's going to be a bidding war and it probably will, will get into that range. So after that, I mean, I think more of the options in terms of uh, defensemen are trades and, you're probably going to have to put a package together, maybe including their first round pick, maybe including, you know, a goaltender like Garrett Sparks, if it's a team that needs a goalie and, you know, maybe a forward like a Casper Kapanen or some, someone like that to get, to get a defenseman. But one of the things in terms of the Leafs is sort of asset management. And, and you know, you look at uh, Jake Gardner, who's making a little over $4 million a year, 
com- coming off a career best 52 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the Leafs do want to sign him, it's going to probably be in the $6 million a year range. It's probably going to be more than Morgan Riley makes right now. Now, you could get a hometown discount if he wants to stay, but I'm not sure, and this is the one thing that we don't know, what the philosophy is of Kyle Dubas in terms of Jake Gardner. We know he's a flawed defenseman. He's a, he's a top four with the Leafs, but does that mean he's a top four defenseman in the NHL? And there are some teams out there that look at his skill set and his package of uh, you know, skating ability and offensive uh, ability and being a power play quarterback and say, okay, well, you know, we need that type of defenseman. So if they don't want to sign him, I don't see them doing the same thing that they did last su- or last summer and decide to keep Van Riemsdyk and keep Bozak and then not trade him at the deadline and mm. not get anything for them. Gardner is a commodity, and if you don't want to sign him to an extension or you don't think you can afford to sign him to an extension, then, then you have to trade him and get what you can for him because you can use what you get for him to get somebody who you do believe can help you down the line. And that's where I think, you know, a lesser Nikita Zaitsev, there are some people out there that have been putting out rumors that the Leafs are looking to shop Zaitsev and maybe get get out of that contract. First of all, who, I think they'd have to eat. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, who, who wants Nikita Zaitsev? I mean, what has, he, what has he done to develop a reputation? Like, what has he done to, to create a track record that even if he stumbled a bit uh, in the latter part of this season uh, with the Maple Leafs, the season that's gone by? Like, what has he done to develop enough of a track record that the team that would be taking him on could say, we, we know what we're getting in this player? For as, as flawed as Jake Gardner is uh, in making bonehead plays and, and rushing with the puck and uh, looking a little bit overly frantic at a, at, a, at a time in his career when he should be uh, composed and stoic, look, we're not all perfect. He does have a track record. He's as fast as lightning. He can make plays. Uh, he's an offensive-minded defenseman. I mean, he is mm-hmm. a, a top-tier defenseman on a team uh, like the Maple Leafs that needs top-tier defensemen, but of perhaps a different quality. So if he can meld in with uh, an augmentation, a piece that comes in to complement him and vice versa, then we're fine. But if if the finances don't work, then that's not going to make a lot of sense. So my original point is who would want Nikita Zaitsev based on really not having done much in the NHL as opposed to Jake Gardner for as much as we get on him. Jake Gardner would be a a, a commodity that other teams – would be interested in because he's proven that he can play at this level and he can do some real damage back there. I, I think there's still confidence in the Leaf organization and uh, from Mike Babcock in Zaitsev. And I think it's simply, you know, there was injury, there was illness. Uh, I believe his wife had a, you know, they had a, his wife, him and his wife had a child. There was a, you know, the whole, a lot, a lot of trauma, a lot of changes in, in a sophomore year. And I don't think that they've sort of like, written the book on Nikita Zaitsev and written him off. And, you know, you're right. His value in terms of throughout the league is down after scoring 13 points in 60 games after scoring, I think it was 36 as a, as a, as a rookie. Yeah. But I, he's a right-hand shot. He's not making a ton of money. It's just mm-hmm. the length of the deal. And I, I don't think that the Leafs have soured on him. So I, I don't buy the, the, you know, the sort of internet rumors that are out there that they're, they're looking to sort of shop Zaitsev if, if they're looking to bring in another defenseman on a long-term deal. I, with, with Gardner, I think it's in terms of asset management, 
you would be selling him at his highest value after his mm. career best offensive numbers. And if internally they're saying we're not going to spend six million bucks a year on Jake Gardner, and we've got a young defenseman in Travis Dermott who looked capable of potentially moving up into a top four uh, role, you know, maybe as a protected top four if they mm-hmm. put a guy like Hansy with them. You know, he's making his entry level. He's making mm-hmm. less than 900 a year. You have to think of those considerations when you're putting a team together. This is the Leafs Combo. I am Norman James. Mike Augello is on the line with me. We do the Leafs Combo podcast several times a week. We have interviews that are interspersed throughout uh, the week as well. Our, our most recent, uh, br- the Brandon Press Combo, which is on the YouTube page right now. You can probably see a link within of this podcast post, uh, listen to that after this. Uh, Brandon Prust uh, mentioning, Mike, uh, what he thinks the Leafs need to do in order to make that next step. And he's pretty positive that the Leafs are going to be going deep into the playoffs, if not this uh, next season to come, the season after. But Pr- Prust mm-hmm. um, reiterating what you've said, what I believe, what Gus Katsaros has said on this podcast previously, that the Leafs do need to upgrade their blue line. So for as many people out there who love Jake Gardner and love the young players and who still think that Martin Marinson has value at the NHL level uh, because he's, he's, he's proven it statistically within, you know, a, a certain context uh, metrically. The, the overwhelming opinion about this Leafs team right now is that it needs an upgrade on the blue line. And the question is, how do you make that upgrade with um, without disrupting too much that you already have? I'm not so sure that's the, that's possible. So what it is, it's it's almost as if it's going to become a wholesale change in philosophy back there. Instead of having the, the run and gun guys who can make errors defensively, uh, but can help your team out offensively more often than not, you, you might have to change the concept back there and have more of a stay-at-home, steady, stalwart type of defensive unit uh, that you, you know is going to be a little bit more capable in its own end. Yeah, and I, I think that... The uh, the hope that I've heard from some people, oh, you know, Timothy Lilligren. No, it's not happening. He's not. I, I would be shocked if Timothy Lilligren plays in the NHL next year at all. Maybe late in the season. Let him develop. Him, Let him develop. Yeah, the, he's not. You know, eighteen going on nineteen. You know, he's getting valuable experience. He's played in the World Junior. He's playing in the Calder Cup final. He's coming into his own. On the Marlies, he's playing third pairing minutes. They're playing, you know, veteran guys with a with a with a Calder Cup on the line. They're playing veteran guys more than they're playing Lilligren. But eventually, his role will grow. And you know, rushing him does absolutely nothing. So you know, he's not ready. And there are some people who think that Dermot might, might not be ready for a top four role. I mean, I think I think he's closer to being ready for that than than some people think but if the organization mm-hmm. thinks that then that just makes their burden even tougher because really you have to fill three spots in the top four I think the only legitimate top four defenseman right now is Morgan Riley uh Hainsey was a stopgap and he was mm-hmm. a good stopgap but he's 37 yeah and I don't think that effectively you can have him playing 22, 23, 24 minutes a night. No. And by the end of the season, him not being anything more than a corpse. Well, you can't have Ron Hainsey playing an abundance of minutes uh, at the period he is in his career. I mean, he's in the twilight. You also can't have a Timothy Lilligren be elevated into a position where he's going to be expected to take on a, a real serious and impactful role when he just doesn't, he's just not going to be ready. I mean, we're not going back 10 years 
this isn't a Luke Shen situation where the Leafs have nobody and number two gets out there and blows a tire and the play starts booing him because there are all of these expectations unfairly placed on his shoulders. The Leafs now are, are entering a phase where they are knocking at the door of the second round, third round. You, you can't, you can't, mortgage what you're trying to do playoff wise on a on a young player who doesn't know you can't also expect an an older guy who's won cups who should be there as a complimentary piece to shoulder the load and that's why the pressure was on guys like Jake Gardner to be that be that centerpiece and while statistically you can make the case to say that he was the best defenseman out there that's true but he needed yeah. to be more than just the best best defenseman on a on a defensive core representing a defensive core that was already flawed to begin with. So dare I ask Mike, and then we'll move on because we don't have too much time. Plus, we have to do Forgotten Leafs. Amazing trivia stuff. Mike just can't be stumped. Okay. He's on fire. Um, <laughs> I have to ask, will the evolution of this Leafs defensive unit uh, as it attempts to become that NHL Stanley Cup potential championship caliber defensive core. Is this, is this a process that might even move beyond this coming season and may take two seasons to, to finally become complete? I, I believe so. I mean, it's, it's going to be sort of a moving target. I mean, let's just say this. I mean, you know, Kyle Dubas has got a five-year contract for a reason because, you know, it, it's not going to be all on him in year one to make this team into a Stanley Cup contender. It's an evolving process. It's taking advantage of opportunities that are out there. So if there are opportunities to upgrade the defense and add two or three defensemen and it doesn't, you know, detrimentally affect the team going forward, then he'll do it. But, you know, it, it, the stars usually do not align that way. I think that they're going to make progress in terms of the blue line this year. I think there are opportunities like Noah Hannafin that I, I would be sh- surprised that if the Leafs weren't in on. Now, but the question is, will they be able to get it done? They tried to get Travis Hamannick last year. It didn't work. They tried to get Ryan McDonough at the deadline. They didn't have an, they didn't offer enough to, uh, to the Rangers. So they'll be in on situations but the question is will they be able to close the deal now i like i I said riley is the only legitimate top four if zaitsev returns to his rookie year form he is 26 years old it's not like he's a rookie it's not like he's a youngster and he is he is what he is but i think he's a better defenseman than what he showed last year well there's two but Ron Hainsey, again, I think is a better fit as a bottom pairing guy, maybe playing with Travis Dermott and doing the same thing with Dermott that he did with Riley last year, providing that veteran experience on that pairing. And then if you can just get that one defenseman or maybe two defensemen and have the ability to move Gardner out, then your defense is a lot more solid one through six than it was. And they've got so many mm-hmm. bottom pairing options besides Hainsey and, and, and Dermott if they want to move those guys up like Borgman and Rosen and Ozaganoff and Justin Hall. So there's options on the bottom part of the defense, but it's that two, three, four that they really need to upgrade. Intriguing times ahead for Maple Leafs fans as the Leafs attempt to strengthen themselves and, and take that next step towards uh, real contentionhood. Can we check and see if that's actually a word? Because if not, I've just created a word that sounds real badass. Um, you know, we, we talk about Kyle Dubas <laughs> as uh, he's lauded and uh, he's praised and um, there's a lot of uh, excitement a- around Kyle Dubas uh, for having this a fresh approach to um, evaluating hockey players and evaluating systems and how those systems 
could be adopted by the Leafs and help elevate this process forward. I'm also looking forward to see how Kyle Dubas uses that fresh approach and that open-mindedness in negotiations over acquiring players. Whereas mm-hmm. maybe Lou Lamorello had, you know, he had his philosophy and his method and uh, in, in how to do things that was staunch and, and locked in and it was Lou's way or there was no way. Kyle Dubas, he's fresh. This is uh, he's in his formative years now as, as a hockey manager. As, for as much as he knows, he's still learning all the time. I'm interested to see how a new game plan at the managerial level, at the negotiation level, can benefit the Leafs too. Uh, we're going to play Forgotten Leafs in just a couple of minutes, but before we do that, I wanted to just talk real quick about the Calder Cup final beginning tomorrow. Rico, um, Texas, Toronto. Let's we'll keep it brief. Mm-hmm. Can you give, give me a just a synopsis on why you think the Marlies are going to win this Calder Cup and, and finally get this done? And how many games do you think it's going to take for the Marlies to beat the Texas Stars? Well, the one thing I think has there has to be a little bit of caution. Um, uh, but with 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 the uh, the outlook on the Calder Cup final is the fact that these two teams haven't played each other all year. It's like because of the sort of eastern western split in the uh, in the AHL. You know, they didn't they didn't go other than I think the Manitoba Moose. The the, the, the Marlies didn't play anybody west of the Mississippi. So um, you know, this would be the first time they seen te- see Texas, and I've been monitoring them. I mean, they're more of a ve- more of a veteran group. There are some youngsters interspersed, but they're more of a veteran group. The goaltender Mike McKenna is the goalie that beat the Marlies last year as a member of the Syracuse Crunch. So it's and even Sheldon Keefe said, you know, like we we really haven't boned up too much on the scouting on Texas. Uh, because we were at the po- at the point that the series against uh, Lehigh Valley ended, the, that series was still going, and they had to basically have an outlook on both teams. And now they've only zeroed in on Texas the last few a few days. But I have to say, I mean, the reason I I think that the Marlies are uh, you know the favorite in the series and probably will win is because they've just been utterly dominant mm-hmm. against you know teams. It's not like they lucked out in terms of like, oh, we played weak teams. They they haven't played weak teams at all. I mean, Syracuse was a pretty pretty good team, and Lehigh Valley uh, beat uh, Charlotte in a tough series. So I, I think that you know they're tested, they and they're hot, and they got they're getting great goaltending and good special teams. So it would be a shock to me if the Marlies didn't win, but anything is possible. So. Texas, with all of its veterans winning the Calder Cup, would be the great sentimental story. But the Marlies, with all of that talent and the season they've put together, winning the Cup would be the logical story. We also have the Stanley Cup Finals, Washington and VGK tied at a win apiece. Uh, It's going to be a fun hockey day tomorrow because you do have the Marlies in the afternoon. And then you have uh, Stanley Cup Final Game 3 from Washington tomorrow evening brandon press would like to see the capitals win alex ovechkin getting over the hump i'm in his camp uh, clearly you've made that <laughs> you've made it known that you are anti-caps uh, ovechkin winning anything yes. over the next couple of weeks um just real quick 30 seconds your assessment on what you've seen is this potentially a, a seven game uh firestorm all the way to the end and and i don't know maybe vgk wins it Perhaps uh, they've already done enough to endear themselves to fans and to hockey's history lore. And maybe the Capitals finally pull this thing out in a season when a lot of people just weren't talking about them. Yeah, it's going to be a close six, seven game series. I still think Vegas is going to win. I think the injury to Kuznetsov in game two could be determinative because 
Um, he, you know, if he's a key player, I think he was their leading scorer. And if the, his, the status is day to day, if he's got a broken wrist or something like that, which you know, they're not going to tell anybody, uh, and he isn't in the lineup for the, the games in Washington's games three and four, they, they, they said, like they said, they, it's day to day and you're not going to get accurate, uh, indicators from, from the caps about how injured he is, but if he doesn't take the, the morning skate or the pregame skate and he's not in the lineup, that's a big loss for them. And I, that just makes me favor Vegas even more. All right. You're the favorite to win Forgotten Leafs, Mike. We'll do that after the break, okay? Okay. The Leafs combo started with Mike and Norm just a few years ago, but it's you who will take this podcast into the future thanks to your amazing support. We'd like to offer special recognition to Dr. Faisal Rahman of London, Ontario, for his dedication, commitment, and contribution to this podcast. Dr. Rahman has been a major backer of sports projects, ideas, and innovations throughout London and beyond. His involvement in helping the growth of the Leafs combo is not only appreciated, but a true honor. Thank you, Dr. Faisal Rahman. And we are back. Time for Forgotten Leafs to wrap up this edition of the Leafs Combo. Norman James in London, Ontario. Mike Jello, the hockey trivia master in Buffalo, New York. You ready, Mike? <laughs> oh, yes. All right. Yes, we usually do two questions. So here is uh, question one. I played for the Leafs in the 2010-2011 season. 53 games. I scored 14 times. I had 35 points. I was a minus 13, and then I was traded. Who am I? Oh, my God. 10-11, 53 10, games. 10-11, 53 games, uh, 35 points. He scored 14 goals. Obviously not a very good season for the Leafs then, and it just didn't work out. He was traded to the Philadelphia Flyers where he finished the rest of the season. And that he went on Christopher, Christopher Stieg. Ding, 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 ding. Way to go, Michael. What does that make you, five for five? I need to get a timer involved here. Anyway. Yeah, I need I needed I needed the Philadelphia Flyers aspect because once yeah. once he's that I, I did that, but but yeah. I know. What's what's yeah. your comment on that guy? Like what what happened with him? I mean, he was part of that first that first uh, championship run for the Blackhawks, and you know he was one of those pieces that uh, you know kind of went on their way in a satellite fashion. You know, like a, a Dustin Bufflin was another one of them. Did it just yeah? Was, and, it, was it Christopher it, Steger? Was it the team, the Leafs? N- well, no, I think well. What I think was he was a third line guy for a championship team. And basically when he got traded to a non-championship team, he was still a third line guy. They thought that he could be a top six winger and he really didn't fit that role. And luckily Brian Burke was able to get a first round pick out of, out of that. And I believe the first round pick turned out to be Stuart Percy, which didn't end up really uh, turning out well, but at least they, at least they got a return for him. That was not terrible. Didn't a fan who was, pissed off back then and all Leaf fans were really pissed off I mean listen to one of our talk shoe episodes or whatever we weren't too happy didn't a fan like vandalize his Audi R8 or something and he yep. just wasn't too happy yep. about that in, in in the parking lot right across from 40 <laughs> Bay which wow. is which is now which is now being uh, built into a, a massive condo complex like everything else in downtown Toronto it's called a growing city, Mike. It's one of the most unstoppable cities you're ever going to see, and uh, it's, I love it's, it. I just wish I could. I just wish I could move there. It's too damn expensive. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I, I I'm from Toronto, and every time I feel like going back, I I look at the situation and I'm like, you know what? I've got it pretty good out here in suburban London. This is the uh, 
compound. If you follow me on Instagram, you, you notice that I'm living in paradise out here. Final question that we should get out of here. Um, I played for the Leafs full season, 87, 88, uh, two goals, three helpers. And, oh, I lost my page here. Hold on a sec. Two goals, three helpers, 107 penalty minutes, which is nothing compared to what I used to compile with the Edmonton Oilers. Who am I? That would be the late Dave Semenko. Ding, 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 ding. Way to go, Michael. It's fun to just list off these players who we who had these larger-than-life reputations with other teams, and then they end up on your team it's that's that's what forgotten leaves is all about by the way the the drummer who usually uh, drums in the the answers and the questions for forgotten leaves i had to lay him off because of trump's tariffs so <laughs> that, that's it yeah, that's it buddy we gotta go thanks norman Hey, what do you think of Forgotten Leafs trivia? I'd like to know from you. I like it because I came up with it and I have to support my own ideas. But if you have a player who comes to mind who was with the Leafs just a little while but made themselves famous as an NHLer on another organization, tell me who that player is. At me on Twitter. I'm SportsHeart. Follow me. I'll follow you back. We'll exchange DMs. We'll compile that info. And together we will unseat the hockey savant known around the world, revered around the world, as Mike Augello. Mike has a column at HockeyBuzz.com right now talking about the Maple Leafs defense and how it might be time to ship a couple of mainstays out and bring in some new players in to evolve that strategy back there. Interesting reading. Leave a comment for him at HockeyBuzz.com and, of course, come back to the Leafs Convo podcast YouTube page. Leave a comment for us. Let's keep growing this community that is uh, rapidly rising every single day. It's all of ours, right? We're just talking Leafs, man. Tell your friends to subscribe if you haven't already. Make that commitment to us because we are certainly committed to you. The Brandon Prost interview is online, ready for you to consume and enjoy. Of course, this podcast and so many more that we've put together over the past six to seven weeks. It's so much fun. And if you think we're having a good time now, you just wait. For Mike Augello, I'm Norman James. This is the Leafs Convo. We'll talk to you again soon. Peace.